You're listening to the Dangerous Prayer Sermon Series at Sojourn Church Midtown. In this series, we see how God invites us to grow in Christlikeness and step into His mission as we learn to pray, search us, break us, unite us, and send us. Peace be with you. Today's scripture reading is Psalm 133 and John 17, 20 through 23. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along in your bulletin or on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. It is like fine oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me, so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, peace be with you. How about the uh, worship experience so far? Amen. Praise God for each of you. If you are guests, uh, welcome. My name is Jamal Williams, and I am one of the pastors here at uh, Sojourn. I pray that a word would be said or a song that will enrich your life in Christ Jesus. I am so excited uh, to be here. As, as the word said, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to pray, and uh, we'll go from there. Father, thank you so much for these, your people. I pray, Father God, that your anointing, that your presence, that your glory will fill up this sanctuary. I pray that the the, the robe of your uh, glory would impact all who have ears to hear and eyes to see. I pray for the person who's having a hard time focusing today because something seems uh, so prominent and important, some situation, some pain, some circumstance. I pray that right now, Lord, that you would Give them peace and calmness so that they can focus on your word. Holy Spirit, we need you. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Santo, Santo, Santos, holy, holy, holy are you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, about three years ago, this January, we started having uh, this Sunday in which we call Diversity Sunday. And the goal was uh, to model for our congregation uh, what we hope to become. Uh, three uh, years ago, uh, there was a, a lot less diversity uh, here. And so uh, myself and the other pastors, we begin to uh, research and study other examples in the country where churches were situated in diverse cities and diverse areas and where they were all white, but had made a shift to reflect and to look more like the community. And so we reached out to a couple of churches, interviewed those churches that had done it successfully, 
and learned that one thing that they all had in common was that in January, all of them uh, around Martin Luther King's day, since it was already on everyone's mind, uh, chose to emphasize this kingdom virtue, this kingdom picture of diversity. And so we said, uh, this day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, is a day where the country will be thinking about um, America and its history and how uh, Martin Luther King Jr. uh, was used by the Lord to uh, expose uh, issues of racism and issues of classism. And uh, and we will press into that. We read Revelation chapter 7 earlier about this kingdom vision of God uh, being worshipped by people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Um, that all of history is working itself towards God's multi-ethnic uh, church singing uh, the praise of Jesus who has redeemed him. And so this is what this service is meant to do. Uh, today on the stage, we had uh, people from every, from, from multiple nations, not every, uh, multiple tribes. Y'all like, every bro? <laughs> uh, uh, up here just, just singing and, and, and participating. And this is how the Lord has blessed us. We've grown in diversity. And not only are we seeking ethnic diversity, but we want to be a church that has uh, social economic diversity, uh, political diversity, um, age diversity, and, and so forth, because we believe that it points to a God who is united as one, but who has diversity within himself, within the Godhead. And so uh, that's what today today is. I remember the first time we did this um, service, uh, after service, I had a number of families come up to me, and a few of them was on the fringe because we had made so many changes culturally so quickly, and they were on the fringe of whether or not they want to remain at, at Midtown because they were having a hard time seeing our vision. And I, I'll never forget one family in particular, um, uh, one of the persons in the family in tears telling me uh, that, that what they experienced and people reading the word in different languages, songs being sang in different languages, uh, helped them to have a bigger picture of the kingdom and that they were committed as a result. And that's the goal today, is for us all to see the beauty of, 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 of human beings, the beauty of every ethnicity, that, that God has uh, shaped us to be uh, like a crayon box where you have people who are, are different, but when we allow the spirit to use us, um, he, can, he can draw and color a, a beautiful picture. Here in Midtown, we want to be a diverse garden, um, not a, 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 a field of, of, of corn where everything looks the same. Uh, because we believe that God has created us all with a different shade of melanin to point to his glory and to point to his beauty. Amen? Well, today we, we are going to continue our series, Dangerous Prayers. And that we've been looking at uh, uncommon prayers that we must pray as a church if we are going to grow um, in, in godliness and please the heart, the father of the heart. These dangerous prayers help us to fulfill the great commission. Week one, we looked at Psalm 139, and we prayed, Lord, search us. Last week, we looked at Psalm 51, and we prayed the dangerous prayer, break us. And this week, we're looking at Psalm 133 and John 17, along with some other assorted verses, with the intent to be able to pray the prayer Unite us. 
unite us. Psalm 133 is a, a beautiful psalm. It's ascribed to David. And though we don't know exact, the exact situation in which David wrote this, we do know that this is considered a song of ascent. And the reason it's called a song of ascent is it is grouped together in the Psalter uh, along with uh, about 15 other psalms. Uh, from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, these were songs or poems that were sung and recited as the people of God ascended unto Jerusalem, ascended unto Mount Zion, ascended unto the temple to worship during uh, their uh, uh, yearly festivals. And what's beautiful is, is that this song would have been sung in Acts chapter 2 by Jews who would have been in dispersal as well. They would have come from different parts of Asia and Africa and, and other parts of the Roman world. And as they ascended unto Jerusalem, they would have had this, this hymn book, so to speak, and these words would have come out of them. I want you to imagine being a Jewish person who is living outside of uh, Jerusalem, perhaps some other part of Palestine or some other part of the world, and you come back home to, be, uh, uh, to, to observe uh, one of these festivals. And as you are entering into Jerusalem, as you are entering into the temple, you sing this song. You look to the left, you look to the right, and you see other Jewish brothers and sisters, some of, of darker complexion, some of lighter complexion, all reciting this beautiful song, this song which was meant to remind them of redemption, this song which was meant to remind them of how God saved them out of Egypt, how God was with them when they were encamped around the tabernacle of the wilderness. I want you to imagine a, a people from, from different dialects and different cultures all saying the same song. How good and how pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. It is like fine oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard unto his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has appointed the blessing for life evermore. Today, as we consider praying the prayer, unite us, I want to put before you four reasons why we must pray this prayer. Four reasons why the prayer unite us is important. The first is, is that the unity of the church, the unity of sojourn is a rich blessing from the Lord. We see this emphasis of blessings in Psalm 133, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers live together in, in harmony. It is a blessing when there is unity. Verse 3, for there the Lord has appointed the blessing forevermore. Unity is a blessing. Unity is good. It is pleasant. It is wonderful. It is, it is beautiful. We all know the experience of unity and how it can enhance our life. We all have been around the table with family members and extended family members doing holidays. And when there is unity, it just seems like the food tastes better. We all have had experiences in, in churches where maybe the church has come through a time of disunity and then they enter into a season of, of unity. And during those times, it just seems like the worship is pure. 
We, we know that unity, uh, when, when one is walking in unity, that there seems to be a blessing, that there seems to be an anointing, that there seems to be a, a, a joy and a, and a peace. And unfortunately, we all know the bitter taste of disunity. We know that when there's disunity in the family, no matter how good that steak is cooked, it just doesn't seem to, to taste as well. We all know the bitter taste of disunity in churches when churches are being pulled apart because of dissenting and views. And, and no matter how good the worship or the sermon is that Sunday, it just don't feel the same. How good and how pleasant, how wonderful, how beautiful it is when brothers and sisters gather together in harmony, gather together in, in unity. The story of the Bible is a story about how God created the world and he called all things good. He created man and woman and he called it very good. And this man and, and woman who was created to be a viceroys of God's kingdom, stewards of God's kingdom, instead of worshiping God and, and trusting him as God, they sought to become gods in their own eyes. And as a result of their sin, we enter into a phase called the fall. And just one verse after Adam sings a, a blessing over Eve, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, I shall call her woman. One verse later, he's pointing his finger at her saying, Lord, the woman you gave me. Disunity is a result of sin. James chapter 3 says that disunity uh, is, is demonic. It's unearthly. It's, it's from the flesh. And then we read in Genesis, the story of Genesis, that there are stories after stories of brothers not dwelling in unity. There's Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, Joseph and his brothers. And we see time and time again, wherever there is disunity and dissension, there is death, there is pain. And the psalmist says, but when folk are unified, it flows down. Why is this picture an emphasis of, of it flowing down? He says down like fine oil. It's, it's flowing down because unity is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Notice what he says in verse 2. Unity is synonymous to a, a fine oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard, beard unto his robes. This fine oil that is mentioned is an oil that is... Uh, talked about by Moses in Exodus chapter 30, verse 22 through uh, 33. It was a very specific oil that was made that had a very good aroma and fragrance. This oil was, was spoken of by God and set apart or consecrated uh, for God's priests. It was unique. It was distinguished. There was a certain aroma that you would only smell on, on the priest. It was to symbolize that this people had been set apart, that the priest had been consecrated for God's service. And it runs down the beard. It runs down Aaron's head. And here's this, not speaking of just Aaron, it's speaking of all of God's priests. As Aaron was the kind of the head of the, the priesthood. And what this text is doing is it, is it is reminding us, Exodus chapter 19, 1 Peter chapter 2, that the people of God are all meant to be priests. 
Peter says that we are a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that we were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And part of knowing that we are the people of God, part of the distinguishing marks of God's kingdom people, of God's priesthood, is that they are a unified people. Paul writes to the church of Rome, he says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Growing up, we used to sing a song called Righteousness, Peace, Joy in the Holy Ghost. Y'all know? No? Okay. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. All right. <laughs> Y'all like, leave it up to the worship team. All right. <laughs> but that's, that's the mark of the kingdom. There is righteousness. We have been declared right by God. It is marked by justice. There is peace. There is joy. And the people of God are those who have been anointed from on high, who have been justified, who have been set apart from the world. And the world knows the people of God because of the unity that they have. The unity of the church is a rich blessing for God. This oil, not only did it provide a consecration, not only did it provide a great fragrance, this this oil also provided moisture for for dry skin and dry bones. And unity is like that. It it gives moisture. It it ministers to, to people. And so is the church. The second reason we want to pray for the unity of the church is that the unity of the church is a supernatural work of God. It's a supernatural work of God. We see in verse 3 that uh, David switches analogies from oil uh, to, to mountains. He says, it is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has appointed the blessing forevermore. And so it's been debate on exactly what is David saying or what is meant like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion. Uh, One thing we can conclude is that this is a poetic expression. And more than likely, this poetic expression is pointing to the miraculous and beautiful nature of unity. See, Hermon was located on the rural north, and the little hill of Zion was in the urban south. And for Hermon's dew to fall on Zion, it would would take a, a miracle. And so is the supernatural bond that brings people far, divergent in culture, race, and class together all in the Lord. David has has given us a picture of of God's people, Israel, and how they were going to be a a people of of, of different nations, tribes, and tongues, people of different class, people of, of, of all these differences, but they would be united together because of the work of God. And in the same way, the church is called to be. Rodney King was assaulted in the early to mid-90s, and it was caught on film. And unfortunately, he was assaulted by uh, police officers who were not uh, walking according to their calling. And they lied about what happened. And when the film came out, There was riots all over L.A. as he was beat into a pulp. Rodney King, with the camera on him, just after he had been assaulted, and he was committing a crime, uh, but it did not end the way in which the officer said, 
he says, asks the question, he says, can't we all just get along? And it's a simple question, but it's also profound. It's the same question that's being asked some 20-something years later. Can't we all just get along? And the world wants to say yes, and they want to continue to uh, go towards world peace, but all it takes is for you to open a newspaper to see that no matter how hard we try, it seems to be elusive. And the truth is, apart from the Holy Spirit and apart from Jesus Christ, we all cannot get along. To get along, to have unity is, is a mark of the Spirit. And the way in which a group of people gets along is by, by reordering their life around Jesus, by reordering their life around God's kingdom, by reordering their life around his values, it's by reorienting their life around a unified purpose. And the church's unified purpose is found in Matthew 28, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If a football team is unified, it doesn't mean that everyone's playing the same position. It does mean that everybody's going to the same goal line. If an orchestra is harmonious, it's not because they're all playing the same instrument. It's because they're all playing the same song. If a chorus is singing in great harmony, it's not because they are singing the same parts. It's because they are adding their part to the same song. It is the goal that produces unity. And when we say unity, we're not talking about sameness. Unity has to do with the same purpose. And the churches of people who have diverse gifts are from diverse backgrounds who the Lord brings together and who the Lord keeps together through his spirit and gives them a same purpose. This summer... I was in Chicago, and uh, Johnny was singing at a church on the west side of Chicago. Now, I stay on the south side. And my wife and I, we said, we want to go to the church. Um, as he and Alex Onan, who are, uh, started a, a worship group called Murphy DX, which you can find on iTunes, a little commercial, <laughs> little commercial for you. Um, they were playing that morning. And so we went that morning, and it was a beautiful sight as Johnny's brother was actually preaching. And uh, he's an excellent preacher. And he was making the point that unity is found in diversity in the church. And or, in order to do so, he talked about a, uh, a, a Puerto Rican dish, um, and I'm going to probably butcher the name, called Eros con Gondolas. <laughs> My Latino friends are like... Y'all wasn't singing when we were singing in Spanish. Don't look at me like y'all got it together, <laughs> judging me. Only God can judge me. No, I'm just joking. Stay focused. All right. And so they're singing, uh, and he uses this illustration of this beautiful dish that is uh, eaten in the Hispanic community. And it was an incredible, I've never experienced an illustration going so well. I mean, everybody perked up. People started looking at their neighbor as it was a mostly Hispanic church. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, oh, that's good. Oh, and when you put it together, he's describing all these ingredients. He's talking about how when you put the oil in the pan and the water comes together, and I mean the smell and the fragrance, that's what's happening all over the sanctuary. And I'm trying to act like I know what's going on. I'm like, yep, yep, <laughs> so is. 
I'm like, I have no idea. So Rafi, you got to help me a brother out. You got to cook that for me. And so I had to go home. I had to look it up. And here's a, a video that I found that describes this, this dish. So welcome to my cooking show. What you see here is medium rail, uh, red, no, <laughs> And so notice how all these different ingredients are coming together. Different experiences, different family foods, the oil. I'm a horrible cook show guest. It's being stirred like the spirit stirs us all together. Calling us out of darkness. Come on, somebody. Spread some season on us. Different experiences, different socioeconomic stuff. All watered by the word. Hallelujah. Just keeps on stirring. Keeps on working. Sweet fragrance. Grain rice. Yes, Lord. Then he just simmers it through some suffering. Allows you to go through some pain together. All right, let me stop. And that's the meal, right? And that's a picture of God bringing all, uh, the, all of us together and, and creating this incredible meal. I'm going to send this click to Jeremy and let him know the illustration works. <laughs> and so uh, God has called us all to be a unified people, though there's a lot of diversity. And one of the things I love about our church is that we have a diversity of gifts. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that the parts of the body that's seen are not the parts that actually deserve the, the most honor. The people in this church that I want us to, to celebrate and who should be celebrated are, are people who aren't, don't have a mic connected to to their face, the people who open this building, who turn on the lights, who, who serve and hand out bulletins, who serve in the various ministries that we, we have here. We all are using our gifts and we're working towards the same goal. I love that we're multicultural. I love that we're becoming multi-ethnic. I want to push more into that. Y'all going to think I'm crazy, but I love that we're multi-partisan, that there's a variety of different political views in this church. I love it. And that really upsets some people. That some of us think that our political party is the only political party. It's the Christian party. And I want you to know that you have a heart issue and you may be dis being discipled more by uh, CNN and Fox News uh, than by Jesus Christ. Each party has aspects of the kingdom that are well and aspects that do not represent the kingdom of God. And I love the diversity that we have. That they're singled and, and married. And our vision and our, our goal is to, to be a, a church that is rooted on our values, that we are biblically centered, that we are gospel centered, that, that the Bible and the gospel serve like the sun. It shines its light on everything that we do and, and every aspect of our life. And we, we believe in the infallibility and the inerrancy of God's word. But I want to encourage us as a church to not fumble, to not forfeit what God has given us to steward. 
to make sure that we see that the unity of the church is the supernatural work of God and make sure that we are pressing into that. There's not many churches in, in our city that is, is all aiming towards the same direction, even though there's great diversity and that's beautiful. And it's only, it's only by God's grace that we're able to do that. Third, I want you to see that the the unity of the church is an answer to Jesus' high priestly prayer. We see in Psalm 133 that the unity of the church is a rich blessing from God, that the unity of the church is a supernatural work from God, that God takes us all from our our various diversity, varying political views, varying uh, educational views, varying social economic views, varying views on parenting, all these differences. He puts us together. He stirs us up. He melts us together through his spirit, through suffering, through the means of grace. But I also want us to see that the unity of the church is an answer to Jesus's high priestly prayer. So why are we praying? That's why we're praying. Unite us. Verse 20, John 17, just before Jesus is going to down the cross, he prays this prayer in front of his disciples. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be completely one. That the world might know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I want you to see Jesus is about to go to the cross. He prays this prayer so that the disciples will hear. Disciples who many uh, had differences. One was a zealot, which was called a dagger man, literally a, 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 a political terrorist who sought to disrupt the Roman rule. God saved him. The other was a tax collector who would have worked for Rome. God saved them, brought them together. Jesus brings them together and and he unifies them towards one purpose. And Jesus is getting ready to go and he says, I'm praying for these disciples who are with me, but I'm also praying for those who are going to be saved in the future. And his prayer has two emphases. The first is that they will be one. Look how many times he says one. Verse 21, one. Verse 22, one. Verse 23, completely one. Jesus' concern before he dies and goes on the cross is for the unity of the church. He wants them to be one just as he and the Father and the Spirit are one, and he wants them to be one in their diversity, just as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit each have different roles. There's barriers to this oneness. In their book, The Battle Plan for Prayer, Kendrick Brothers Uh, They write about some of these barriers to oneness. They give four Ds. The first is is distraction. What's going to keep us from being uh, united? What's going to keep us from answering, being an answer to Jesus' prayer here at Sojourn Midtown? It's distraction. Sometimes we, we fail to be united because we live fast paced lives that are distracted. Instead of seeking first the kingdom of God, uh, we treat uh, the things of God like we treat other things in our, of our life, like going to the gym or, or going to the movie or work. It's just a, a part of our life. It's not our whole life. And when you have a people of God who are distracted, they are a crowd, not a church. Deception. 
when we believe the lies whispered to us about ourselves, the church and, and God, a unity will be affected. When we live in secrecy and are disingenuous in our walk, it keeps us all from playing the same song or having the same goal. And so when we walk in deception in our life, it it keeps us in bondage and and we don't get to experience the life. And that's why God gave us community to expose those dark things in our hearts so that we can be healed. James chapter five, derision. Disunity comes when we live with hypercritical spirits, when we find faults of others in the body, when we gossip, when we don't give grace to others. When we do this, we're tearing down the oneness of the church that Jesus called us to to work towards. James chapter 3 says that the tongue is is like a fire Set ablaze in a force. It got, it's, it's the smallest member of our body, but it does the most harm. Division. Number four, fourth mark. When we allow our preferences to be primary, how we worship, how we share communion, our political affiliations, etc., disunity persists. And so Jesus is telling us to to push past these things and to to focus on him and and his kingdom so, and this is the second part of that prayer, so that we might be faithful witnesses in the world. Notice what Jesus said in John 17, verse 2, so that the world may believe you sent me. He goes on, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you loved me. What's at stake When we are not unified, what's at stake as a watching world watches how we communicate on social media about our our experiences with other Christians? What's at stake? What's at stake is our witness. (laughs) It's like me just before I got married. Y'all may have heard the story. I went to the men's warehouse to buy a suit. And here's a, a company that's supposed to be helping me get married. And as I go in to buy a suit, every single person in there tried to convince me not to get married. <laughs> the guy was like, man, I've been married for 20 years. I'm like, oh, great. Worst decision of my life. <laughs> I was like, is this fitting, right? <laughs> Called two other people over. Like, man, tell this young blood it ain't time for him to get married. <laughs> yeah, bro, it ain't time, right? Working against our purpose. They're working against their purpose. I'm going to stop. I was about to say a joke, but my filter caught it. Um, and, and so the church works against its purpose when we voice our discontentment with each other. And Jesus prays, Lord, let them be one so that the world may see your love for them. Why would someone want to join? Why would someone want to become a part of the body of Christ if Christians are angry? next shirt we're going to invest in as a church is going to be less angry Christians, please. (laughs) Amen. Y'all think I'm joking. I'm going to come up next week. That's what grit is. Actually embodying the fruit of the Spirit. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Does the world know that he so loved the world? 
based upon the way that we love each other. John goes on to write in 1 John, I give you a new commandment, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that they are my disciples if you love one another. Fourth reason we should pray for the unity of the church. So quick review if you're taking notes. The unity of the church is a rich blessing from God. The unity of the church is a supernatural work from God. Third, the unity of the church is an answer to Jesus' high priestly prayer. And then fourth, the unity of the church was purchased by by Jesus on the cross. So one thing that the Bible teaches is that, that we don't work for primarily, first and foremost, for unity, we work from unity. Meaning as the people of God, we've been adopted into the family of God the same way. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. We were all deceived and in darkness. God was rich in mercy. And he saved us according to his abundant grace. By grace through faith. And then we read in Ephesians chapter 2, 14 through 18, this, for he is our peace, speaking of Jesus, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. He made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create himself one new man, man from the two resulting in peace. So God has created from the two one new man. That's the title of a book by uh, Pastor Jarvis that's excellent. That Jesus Christ died to take two Jews and Gentiles and to make them one. This is the great mystery uh, that Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3. He has created us so that we can be one in him. And this was purchased by Jesus, by his death on the cross. He tore down the wall of hostility while he was facing the hostility of his enemies on the cross, absorbing the wrath of God, he was tearing down the wall of hostility. The peace that we have with one another comes through the death of Christ. And when we remember that the most significant things about us as Christians is far greater and important than the areas that we disagree we can experience unity. So let me give you some quick points of, of application. If we're going to experience this good and pleasant fruit of unity, the first point of application is we must pray. <laughs> I mean, after all, this is dangerous prayers. And so I want to encourage you to pray. Romans chapter 15, 5 through 6, you can write this down. I want you to pray this prayer this week in two ways. Paul writes, now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. What a prayer. Paul is telling the church at Rome who is diverse, who's from all different backgrounds, some Jewish, some Gentiles. They have different perspectives on so many things. He's, he prays this prayer for the church. Give them endurance. Give them encouragement. Give them harmony with one another in Christ Jesus so that, so that we may glorify God the Father. And what God is after in our unity is not uniformity. What God is after in our unity is not assimilation. What we're after at this church is not uniform, it's not, it's not assimilation. We all do not think the same, dress the same, like the same music, or, or none of these things. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a good thing. Keep it that way. Keep your swag as long as it's not distracting. <laughs> Whatever that means. 
Keep your swag as long as it glorifies God. Amen. We're not after uniformity. We're after unity. We're after having the same mind and the same voice, Philippians chapter 2. And we want to pray. And I want to encourage you to pray this this week by setting a timer on your phone each day and just pause, read this verse, and just pray for the church. Pray for the universal church. Pray for the churches in Louisville. Satan's greatest weapon is to, to, to cause division in the church for, so that we can't be a witness in the world, so that we can, can't be a witness. Pray for Sojourn Midtown. We're coming up on election year and, and 2020. And if we handle this election year the way we handled it in 2016, as your pastor, I'm going to be very sad. Pray that God's kingdom would usurp in our hearts any political party. Pray that we remember that we serve King Jesus and that, that he is both the lion and the lamb. And our primary affiliation is to him. And it's through his kingdom virtue and his kingdom lens that we see the world. Not Anderson Cooper or Sean Hannity. Can you say amen? You can say Mm, glory be to God. You know, since we started this series, I had a, a number of people um, tell me that they've been burdened for prayer, which is beautiful. I've gotten a number of, of, of emails and messages of people who want to start prayer ministry. And I think that's the spirit uh, calling us to deeper prayer. And we want to start those ministries. However, at the same time, I want you to recognize that we have about 50 prayer ministries and they meet throughout the city every week and we have an opportunity to pray this prayer that's called community groups and my prayer is that we will cultivate a, a spirit of unity by praying for unity, unity regularly within our community groups so pray second we want to unite around God's word and love one another in areas that are unclear and so part of having unity as a church and, and being an answer to this prayer and to Jesus' prayer is by always coming back to what does the word say? It has been said in essentials unity and non-essentials liberty and all things charity. So we want to be a church that when it comes down to what the word says, the word says that God uh, uh, created every human being and knew us before we were born. So, yes, we are pro-life. The word also says that every person is created in the image of God and that as the people of God, we should care uh, about uh, the state of other people. And so, yes, we are pro-justice. And so we, we want where, where God's word is clear, we want to stand there. And then there are areas of the Bible where... Uh, God's word, uh, it requires wisdom due to context, the light saying amen, <laughs> and, and, and due to situations for us to apply it. And sometimes we're going to apply it differently. And so Paul teaches us in Romans 14, and you can go home and read the chapter. It's a phenomenal chapter. The church of Rome has a disagreement about meat, uh, meat and, and, and whether or not one should eat it. And Paul shares his conviction that, that we can eat all things. 
But he also is having compassion on his weaker brothers who have a conscience that says it's not, it's not good uh, for them to eat meat. And I just want you to hear a few assorted verses from 14. Paul says, accept anyone who is weak in faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. One person believes he may eat anything, while one who, uh, who is weak, that is weak in conscience, eats only vegetables. One who eats must not look down on the one who does not eat. One who homeschools must not look down on the one who doesn't. I'm sorry. Uh, one who doesn't homeschool must not look down on the one who does. And one who does not eat meat must not judge one who does because God has accepted them. Who are you to judge another's household servant? Before his own Lord, he stands or fall. And he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. So then, let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. Do not tear down God's work because of food. Do not tear down one's work because of a political affiliation or because you have a view on a president. Do not tear down one's work because uh, you have a certain experience and a person does not. Our last application is we want to work to maintain the unity of the spirit. And let me just say this. For some of us right now, our butts are in the way. Say what? <laughs> Jonah chapter 1. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, but Jonah went to Tarshish. Jonah's butt was in the way. Some of our butts right now is in the way, but you don't understand. This, this issue, but you don't understand. This verse, but you don't understand. This person, but you don't understand. My experience. Get your butt out the way and work towards maintaining unity in the word on issues that are not non-essential. You can email me later at r. Francois at Sojourn Church. <laughs> Third, work to maintain the unity of the spirit. This is our last application. Paul writes, therefore, I, the prison of the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all. Romans 15 and 7, therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. This takes us allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, to, to extend love to people who may differ for us because we understand that we have one purpose and that what God is after is, is not us to be a duel, but a to duet. So yes, we speak with convictions. Yes, when something isn't right, we can speak up, but we do so with, with grace. We do so with our, our speech seasoned with salt. 
We do so wise as serpents, gentle as doves, remembering that there is a world watching in who are lost and headed towards hell and that God does not have a plan B. The church is his plan A to preach the gospel to them. In the movie, remember the the Titans. Denzel Washington plays the the character of a of a, a real coach who actually just died two weeks ago at like 84 years old. And the story is about a high school that has just recently been uh, desegregated and integrated. And Denzel gets the, the call to coach this team that is now black and white. And there's a lot of tension around it. In fact, people are upset that he's been made the head coach over a white coach that was headed to the Hall of Fame. And part of the plot is that the school board is trying to get this white coach uh, to uh, cause disruption in the locker room so that uh, this, this team will lose. And it's said that when they lose their first game of the season, that this coach would be fired. But it's a beautiful story about how these two coaches become united because they have the same purpose. And it's a one scene um, in which this team who is disunited becomes united. They travel to Gettysburg and they are, are worked out and, and they are running and they have to do all these push-ups and, and the coach is seeking to break them. But the coach, who is uh, Coach Boone, gives a powerful speech after they are completely depleted about how they were working out in the midst of a cemetery that, um, that was buried, the bones of of men and women who, who gave their life fighting for the soul of this country. And he used the death of these soldiers to unite this football team towards one common pur- purpose and to see beyond race to what really mattered. It's a beautiful picture. The team ended up going undefeated that year and they won the state championship. In the same way, Jesus has given us a meal that we take every week that reminds us of of our purpose. It's called communion. Or the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, said, this is my body broken for you. In the same way, he took a cup and said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for you. As often as you eat this bread, Christian, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. It is the cross of Christ. It is the resurrection of Christ. It is the ascension of Christ that that motivates us to live in the bond of peace. And it is good and pleasant. Those of you in the front, you can come to the front. Those in the back can go to the back. Gluten-free, alcohol-free communion is to my left. Let's eat. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.